Good morning. My name's Eric Hernandez. My family and I have been attending MBC for about six years now. Today I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Go ahead and be seated. Just a second here. Please, thanks. Good morning, everybody. I hope you all are doing well this morning. We. Uh, Today, that's good right there. We had a, our fall fest today that is taking place right after. I hope you plan on staying, uh, bring your lawn chairs or had to go get some or if we have to, whatever we need to do. We came in this morning, we had a team that yesterday set up some uh, tents and we came in this morning and they were just kind of blown all over the place. We were looking around thinking, man, where did that wind come from? Because it sure looked nice looking at the weather report and some kind of gust came through and moved all those tents for us. So we were out there this morning. One of them was totally destroyed. Another one, uh, the other two, we were able to kind of put them together through tape and bending and multiple hands, but they're out there, they're, they're good. So we're looking forward to our time afterwards. And I hope you all plan on, plan on staying <clears throat> afterwards if you can. Should be a great time. Anytime we get together, we always have a good time visiting and sharing with one another. And uh, I pray that you guys would end up staying. I wanted to take a couple moments here and kind of, kind of visit with you all. A um, couple things. One, <clears throat> we have a need in our church. And I just want to take a moment and share. And sometimes uh, we do this from time to time. If you've been around on Wednesday nights, you've seen that our Wednesday nights have Man, they just really have taken off. There's a lot going on here at Wednesday night between Bible studies and uh, our students have been meeting on Wednesday nights for a long time. And then we have our institute as well. And now we've started our Awana's program, Move to Wednesday Nights. And it has, it has just extremely grown. Uh, we, we have so many kids that are coming. And the issue is, is we really don't have enough people to kind of support all the kids that are coming. We have some leaders that are you know, with only 50, you know, with by themselves at times with uh, only 15, 20 kids. And so we really need some help. And uh, some of them are, are uh, like from 6.45 to 7.15 listening. Some of it is just a support to help a teacher or to be a sub. There's a lot of different opportunities. And so I would ask that you would consider helping us out on Wednesday nights. And uh, we're given the opportunity to with these children to teach them God's word, to put the word of God in, as they, as in their hearts as they memorize the word of God. And it's an important part of what we do at Mansfield Bible Church because what we believe that the word of God is our source of understanding who God is. It's truth, it is actual truth that God had wrote a book and he'd given it to us that we might know him and grow in Christ, receive Christ in our lives through the good news of salvation, and through that word, we're able to walk after him in righteousness and to know him and to walk in peace. Why would we not want our children to learn the word? I don't have a reason. 
but we need help. And if you're able to help, I would ask that you would consider that. You can go out here to the central hub. They have a list out there of some of the needs that we have. So I wanted to take a moment and just say that. Also, today is kind of an important day, not only because of our all-church gathering, but also because we're starting our campaign. A few weeks ago, we had um, voted about adding on a student building and some of the things to do to this building as well. And so now we're at that place where we're starting to ask and we're saying, hey, we would like for you to take some time and, and pray about and ask God about how you can be a part of giving towards that campaign and doing this building. This morning when you walked in, you probably got a card like that. On the front, it has stand firm. The idea behind that is we always wanna be about teaching the word of God and continuing to do that. We're able to do that through our Sunday school classes. We do that on our Sunday, mo Sunday mornings. We do that in our small groups. We do, it, we do it on our Awanas and our children's ministries and our women's ministries and our men's Bible studies because the word of God is our, is our source, our authority of understanding the truth of God. We wanna continue to do that. So we use the term stand firm. On the backside, you see there's a place there where there's a place for a commitment. And what we're asking is that you would take this card and between now and the end of November and pray about asking God about what you can give towards that campaign. Um, where it's a three year uh, campaign that we're planning on trying to raise the funds on the building. And so we're asking you to be a part of it. There's two QR codes. One of the QR codes will take you to the information that has been on the website about the building and some of those things that we're doing. The other QR code will also take you to a place where you can see there's some devotionals, there's some studies in relation to our campaign as well. Uh, one of our elders had put that together, uh, that study as well. And so that's a great place to start. You can also go there and you can also commit as well to the campaign on that where you can give as well as we begin that. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting time. It's a time where we're, uh, we're trusting God. Uh, it hasn't changed. Uh, we've been trusting him along the way for a lot of different things. Now we're trusting him for this as we voted through that and asking that uh, you as God's people would, would take it seriously and, and look at it and say, well, what is it that I can what I can do. This is above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. We're just asking that you would take and think in your heart. In fact, today our passage will be kind of dealing with that as we started that series of generosity, the heart of generosity. I know last week Matt made a comment about any of the problems that you may have had with this message. You were to email to me uh, this last week. I just want you to know that I've simply taken those emails and forwarded them to Matt. So if you haven't got responded, it's because Matt hasn't responded yet, okay? So uh, he served me up last week and there's a few things I thought this week would fit really well with the sermon to get back at him, but you know, there's other ways to do that as well over the time, but uh, no, God is good and I thank God for his message last week and uh, the power of it and thank God for uh, other men that we, and, people that we have in our church that uphold the word of God and we thank God for that. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you and today, Lord, uh, as we come before you again, we ask God that you would instruct us in your word, that Father, we would have an understanding of your word. There's, there's things that we know and there's things sometimes that Father, even though we know them, we trust your spirit to enlighten us in those truths as they relate to our lives. 
That, Father, as we would walk after Christ, as we would learn to follow Jesus in the ways of our lives, that, Father, we would set our hearts on him, that we would thirst after him, we would seek him, that, Father, you would instruct us this morning. And when we think about things like generosity, when we think about things like our, our attitudes towards finances and our attitudes towards our money, may we understand that, Father, really, it's not about the money. It's really about our hearts towards you. That, Father, we would have hearts that are set apart unto you. That, Father, you would set a people aside and as you would use them to, to glorify your name and that you would use us, Father, to proclaim the good news, to teach the truth, to stand firm, Father, in the truth of your word. And that even though we have an adversary that would want to distract us and we have adversary that wants to even destroy us, that, Father, we would understand that we are to stand firm and we are to resist. Not that, Father, we are able to take down anything, but simply because of the truth of what Christ has done in our lives, we stand firm in that truth. We stand firm in the work of Jesus in our lives. We stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're able to withstand even the wells of our adversary. We're, to we're able to understand the, the pressures of our world and that, Father, we know the truth in Jesus Christ. So, Father, teach us this morning and guide us. Let our hearts be open. Let them not be hard. Let them not be, Father, uh, casually approaching the scriptures today, Father. Let us be a people that are growing in Christ. And Father, as always, I, I just ask God that you go past all of my own sins, my own iniquities, my own shortcomings, and speak to us, your people, that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. When we talk about uh, the heart of generosity, one of the real realities that I really have come to is that God's word teaches that a generous heart will be a blessed heart. And I thought about that a lot, especially in the last couple of weeks. And, in, and as I'm looking at this passage that we're in in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, specifically verses 6 and following, but looking at this context, when you look at it, in the context, it's about giving. It's about how we would give financially. In the context, if you were to go back to chapter eight is where this started actually. And next week, one of our elders, uh, Paul Durand, he's gonna be speaking next week and, and probably out of that section there. When you go back and you look at it, it's talking about gathering a gift to help those that were in need in Jerusalem. And so Paul is writing to this Corinthian church about this this gift, this giving, and what is to be the attitude in regards to our giving. And when he talks about it in our text today, we see that there is, there is a blessing that comes from giving generously. And we understand that in that relationship that we have with God, that he begins to bless us for the purpose of his work. I love this passage, and if you will, I'm gonna, I have it up here on the screen, uh, First. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I love how he starts out, the point is this. He's given this argument. He started back in chapter 8. He comes to this passage and he says, hey, this is the point. So when I see that in scripture, I'm always going to like, okay, let me take a look and make sure I don't miss exactly what he's saying. 
And what is the point, Paul? What is it that you're trying to say? By the way, when God says this, God isn't fooling around. Remember, God wrote a book, right? It's not that there was a bunch of men that wrote about God. It was God moving within men to give us a word of God that is truth. So when he says this, he says, this is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this is a kind of an interesting statement because what he's doing is he's taking kind of a, a farming principle. And the picture is, is that when you plant, plant your crop, you, you end up getting a better harvest by how much you plant out. I was thinking of, I was talking to Lydia because I'm not much of a planter. Anything I plant dies. I mean, that's the only, that's the only way it turns out. My wife can grow stuff, I can't. And uh, I was asking her some questions and I was thinking about this picture of a, of a corn crop, you know? And so what happens is you get this, this crop of corn. And so what you have a choice is, is you can take all that corn and you just eat it all, right? Well, where's the harvest for the next year? Where's it come from? But what you do is you take some of that harvest to the side and you set it aside and you get your seed and then you're able to plant more. And it's this principle of if you put little out, you get little back. If you put out more, you get more back. It's a very simple principle that is used by Paul in this, in this idea of drawing it over into our finances and how we, how we give. In fact, the word bountifully is a word that we get our word uh, eulogy from. It means blessing. That as you bless and you bless generously, more blessing comes back. So the picture is when one of God's people who are trusting the Lord and in faith gives generously, it brings blessings to others. And then what God does is he blesses the one who gives generously. According to this passage, you look at it and it's very simple. If you invest little, there's little in return. If you invest much, there's much in return. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, is this just a, a, a new idea that the Apostle Paul was coming up with in regards to the Corinthian church? And actually, it's not. In fact, there's multiple verses. I, had to, I just picked a couple. One is found in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Now, I want you to stop there for a second. Don't, don't just run past that first statement. Whoever is generous, so first of all, it's somebody who's generous. It's not somebody who's hoarding or keeping to self. It's generous. And they're generous to the poor, but the reality is while they gave to the poor, who did they lend to? The Lord. The outcome of it is, who am I giving it to? I'm not, it's not just helping this person and it's a look at what I've done, but it's the recognition of what God has done. And it says, and he will repay him for his deed. Who, who repays him? God does. It's not talking about the poor repaying him. It's talking about God replenishing in the person of, uh, of their faith and their idea of their generosity and giving their generosity. Also in Luke chapter six, you've heard this one before, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. In fact, interesting, it's interesting when you read lap, most of us don't understand that, but back in the day, I guess, when they would sit there, they would put their grain in their lap when they were working their grain. So there's this picture that's taking place. For with the measure you use it will be the measured back to you. 
It's a very simple principle. I, I can list several of these verses over and over, over and over again. Some people use this, and the idea is that there's this picture that the more I give, then the more I got, so I can get the nice car, and get the nice house, I can get all these luxuries. This isn't what this passage is talking about. When God talks about generous giving, let me just get this clear, okay? When God talks about generous giving and, and, re, and giving back to us that we might give more, it isn't the picture that we get, give in order to get more for ourselves. It's the picture that God uses us to give to others, that the work would be taken place. It was interesting, and I'll probably would even say this again last week after Matt's message, a, a per, one, of the, one of you all came up to me after the service, and uh, if I mentioned their name, they'd be totally embarrassed. But anyway, they came up to me after the service. They've been involved in one of our local ministries and, and on, and they, they talked about how, you know, I've set aside what God has given to me. And every time I go back to that, to that fund that I have, God just continues to bless. I never run out. Every time that ministry needs something, God has given to me and he's given me more. And I was like, wow, isn't that exactly what the text is talking about? That's what he's talking about here, that whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It's a spiritual principle that will always prove true. Now, some of you, if you've been, if you've been at Mansfield Bible more than 15 years, you're gonna recognize this. How many, how many of y'all recognize this? Yeah, since it tells you how many of us have been here 15 years or longer. Back in the day, back in 1998, when I came to this church, um, I started visiting and we started coming and probably been here a couple months. And one day I just was like, in fact, it was the number one question any of our new folks would always ask is like, where do you give in this church? Because the church didn't take up an offering. We didn't pass a plate. There was two boxes like this that sat on the table. When you went out the doors, it was over in our other building off of Dallas Street at the time. You go out the doors, there was a little box sitting on a table, and it wasn't like you had to walk over the box. It was like over there. There was another one over, over here, and, and this is how our offerings were given. Uh, I can remember one time trying to get our offering in, into the box because it was full, and so someone said, oh yeah, there's one over there. I didn't even know there was a second one. I don't even know how long I was going at the time. It was so interesting because to me, as I saw this, this cut last week and I thought about this box, I remember that this is how we always have given. When somebody comes along, we've, now we did get bigger boxes. We haven't filled those up yet, but um, if y'all notice those, I just thought about that. These are little old box, right? But we have some bigger boxes back there. But, I started thinking about this back in 2003, because in 2003, we were going through the only other campaign since I've been here that we've done as a church. It was a campaign to build a, to build a church. And by the grace of God, um, we ended up, were able to buy this building and moved in, eventually moved into this building. But in 2003, we started a campaign, and through these boxes, we raised about $320,000. It was over a three-year period. Is that right, Greg? Yeah. And, and it was just a praise. It was just an amazing thing. Now, you can't see it. I, I got a slide that on the top of it, it says, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you go out to the doors today, when you stop and you look on the top of our giving box, if you take time to look at it, 
You know what's there? It's the same verse. When I talked to Greg, I remember asking Greg about his, because I'd never been a part of a church that didn't pass the plate, right? Never been part of a church that the pastor didn't get up and say, hey, you need to give, you need to put this much. I mean, I was always told those things. And Greg based it on George Mueller. And if you're familiar with George Mueller, he ran an orphanage. And he never asked, he didn't ask for the money. He didn't go out and campaign all the businesses. He simply prayed and God delivered. And that's always been our philosophy as a church. Uh, We went through a time back in the 90s when we did start passing the plate. You know why? Because we had so many people keep coming to us and going, we need to pass the plate because I keep forgetting to give. Will you pass the plate? And so we grudgingly, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say grudgingly, we started passing the plate. Um, we, when COVID came, we quit doing that because it's a step of faith. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking with the deacons and the elders and they said, you know what? We don't talk enough about finances at Mansfield Bible Church. And they asked us to spend once a year to maybe a three or four week series on generosity. And so when we get people that go on our website or our little shorts or videos or different things and and they're on there, all they want is your money. I'm like, you don't know our church. Because half the time we get people that are going, if you're visiting today, by the way, we don't do this all the time. So, you know, the other side of the coin, but um, we don't make it all about We trust God. Exactly what this verse says is that we trust God to deliver and to provide because he is the one that moves your heart. You see, the reality is I could come today and I could guilt you and I could try to push you into giving, right? But the reality is if you're not giving, it's between you and God. The reality is it has the reflection on your relationship with God and whether or not you trust him to provide or not provide. And it's, it's, a, it's the reality of what we talk about when we talk about giving. If you will, up here on the slide, if you'll put up uh, this chapter, Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verses six and seven, it says each one, I like this picture of each one, it's not that, okay, this group over here, you, you, okay, it looks like you got a little bit more money. Why don't you give this amount? And this group over here, you don't have as much, so you give this amount. And you over here, why don't you give the, That isn't the picture. It's each person, each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart. That word decided there is only used here in the New Testament. It's the idea of, sitting down and having a predetermined plan of action that is done from a willing heart. It's not to be out of, in in a grudging way. It's to be as a relationship with your God, as a child of God, as somebody who understands the work of God, that it's between you and him. It's God's people. And it's not to be done impulsively. It's not to be casual. Oh, I guess I better put a little bit more in. That isn't the picture. The giving should be a result of an inward resolve in our relationship with our God as you spend time with him. That's why we said, hey, we're not saying, hey, we need to know next week. We're, we're saying it's six weeks from now before the end of November. We're asking you to pray and ask. And even about your regular giving, you need to be 
determining between you and God. And this is nothing new in the scriptures. It's interesting in Exodus chapter 25 and verse two, the picture here is they're building the temple and uh, God has come to Moses and he tells them, hey, speak to the people of Israel. So we're not gonna come and twist your arm, but we're gonna ask, right? That's kind of the picture. So speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. Now listen to this. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. This is right here, really caught me. For every person whose heart moves them, every person as their heart moves them. You know what happened here is in the very next verses, there's about, I think, 14 or 15 items that the, they needed in order to build the temple. And people started bringing the stuff to the temple. And about chapter 35, I believe it was, you know what happens is Moses is like, enough, don't bring any more. This is above and beyond their tide. He's telling them, hey, stop, don't bring any more. Quit bringing it. Why? Because they were moved within their heart. Why were they moved? Because of their relationship with God. It's a picture of, of our contributions. A picture of our giving is the result of our relationship with our God. It's not that, that somebody or, you know, I'm, how do I say that? I, I'm not going to come to you and go, you need to give this amount. I remember Greg and I several years ago when we were, in fact, it was when we were in that other building and we were talking to different people about loans or banking and um, uh, even the different groups on campaigning. And we didn't hire a group to camp to to do the campaign this year or anything like that. And I remember every single time we kept hearing, if you really want to raise the money, go find your top 10 givers, go to them and ask them to give this much. And we like, oh, we're not doing that. And we had one guy that told us that then this won't happen. And uh, by the grace of God, he allowed me to see that person after it did happen because God worked and I was able to testify of what God can do through his people. We need to be a people who determine as a result of our relationship with God, we need to be a people that come to a resolve about how we give between him and us as an individual. It says there, not reluctantly, is this idea of not grudgingly or out of, out of sorrow, not reluctantly or under compulsion in this idea of under compulsion of necessity. A.T. Robinson, who's a Greek scholar, he said, as if, as if we were pulling teeth. It's not like, like we're pulling teeth to get these things from you. It's not because you feel guilty. It's not because you feel condemned. It's not something we ever want to do here. I don't want to make you feel guilty. I don't want to make you feel condemned. I'm just asking you to pray about and spend time with God to ask him what he wants to do. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, Matt last week mentioned that the word cheerful, we get our word hilarious from. In the Latin it's used, it literally, they used it in the idea of cheerful. That's where we get this word cheerful. Ancient Greek would, would talk about cheerful, we're merry, we're gracious, we're kind. So the premise here is that, is that when we understand the gospel, we understand what God is doing in our lives. When we understand that we want the kingdom of God to advance, that we are living for Christ, then this reaping and this sowing begins to happen. 
And that's where this blessing comes from. This is why the generous heart is the blessed heart. It's when we decide in our hearts and we give cheerfully because we've resolved with our God about our giving. And therefore, when we give, we don't give in a, in a way that we feel condemned or, or guilty. We give because we've already met with our God and this is what he wants from me. Not because a pastor said it, not because an elder said it, not because other people in the church said I should do this, but because I spent time with my God. And between him and I, I came to a resolve, and this is what I'm giving. And, then, and you know what? With that becomes cheerful. It's a cheerfulness. There's been many times where when I've given, and I've given, it's, there's a cheerfulness to it. Because, not because some, just because somebody's helped or not because it accomplished this, but because between my God and I, we determined it, and I trust him. And sometimes the reason we don't experience the blessing of a generous heart is because we're sowing sparingly. I always think of the widow and this picture of them coming and them giving and, and all these guys coming, coming along and they're dropping these huge gifts into the, to the offering. And then here comes this widow with two mites, just little copper coins. And she drops in and Jesus says, you see her? She's given everything that she has to live on. They gave out of the abundance of, of, their, of, their, of their giving, but she gave everything. Why did she do that? Because she trusted the God she served. And when there's an understanding that our giving is in a direct context with the God that we trust, then we willingly give. In fact, he goes on and he says in verse eight, and he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that all sufficiency, in fact, I have it up here. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. And it's kind of an overflowing of grace. It's a, it's a beautiful picture in that idea that, that the one who regularly gives and his resources in giving and as he gives cheerfully, and even though that giving is taxed and is cheerful, generous giving, God is constantly replenishing it that he might give more that he might be able to be used more. In fact, that's what he says. He says, God's able to make all grace abound so, you see that idea? So that having all sufficiency, this is a key word, it's really kind of a neat word. It means complete self-sufficiency, I think it's the NIV, but it's the idea that it's born out of a dependency on God. And it was a Stoic term that was used. And the idea of the Stoics would use that idea to, to kind of denote uh, a self-sufficiency that made them independent of everything external in their circumstances. In fact, the concept of the wise man of the Stoic was the wise man as being self-sufficient in, in and of himself, wanting nothing and possessing everything. And doesn't that sound like our Western culture? Isn't that our goal? To, to have enough that we don't need anybody else? We we, we, we've got enough for ourselves and we accomplish all this for ourselves. And Paul, understanding this stoic idea, he uses it not as one would be self-dependent in of himself, but he uses it that we might be dependent on our God. And that's why, that's why a widow can come up and give two mites and it's all she has because her dependency isn't on those two mites, her dependency is on God.
The others that Jesus referred to, they were giving out of their abundance. Though they gave that, that really didn't hurt their life. There wasn't a dependency or a, a trust on God. They gave in enough with as a fit within their, within their means. But when we learn to give generously, God is able to make grace of all grace abound, overflow, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, he's talking about here, not that we always have a full gas tank where we drive the nicest car on our block, where we have the nicest home. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in the work and advancing of the kingdom of God, that we would be sufficient in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. Doesn't that sound good to your ears? That we would be able to abound in every good work. And the picture of this is it's regardless of how desperate one's circumstances are, a person who wants to give can do so in the dependence of God. So it's not a picture of do I have enough to give, it's a picture of do I depend on God that I might give. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Verse 17, it's an interesting thing. King Ahab was the king at the time. And it says in the text about King Ahab that he did more to anger the Lord. He did more evil that angered the Lord than all the kings before him. In chapter 17, when you walk into that chapter, Elijah's the prophet. And Elijah says, hey, it's not going to rain. There's not going to be any dew for three years. He tells King Ahab that. And then God sends him to this brook and he stays at this brook. He uses the crows of the air to protect, to protect Elijah. He, they brought in food and they brought in to him in the morning and in the evening every day. But eventually, because there was no rain, the brook dried up. He sends him, sends him to this town. He says, there's a widow there. She's gonna be able, she'll, she'll, give you, she'll give you drink. And so he goes and he sees this widow and she's picking up sticks and he asks her for water. And as she walks away to get water, he says to her also, bring me, bring me some bread. Bring me something to eat. And she stops and she turns to him and she says, all I have is this little, this little bit of, of, of flour and this little bit of oil. And I'm picking up these sticks because I'm going to build a fire and my son and I are going to eat and then we're gonna die. Their, their circumstance was so desperate that to her, that was the last meal. She couldn't, she couldn't see past that moment and where food would come to supply for their family. And Elijah tells her to trust in the Lord and go and fix the cake and bring the, bring the water and your jars will not go empty. And so she did, she did as he said. And, and it tells us in the text that there was always enough. The flour didn't stop, they ate. The, the oil didn't run out, they ate. God provided. And there is this picture in our scripture of understanding. It isn't based on how much we have or how much we give. The picture is, do we believe that God is indeed sufficient and able to meet our needs? Are we... Do we have an idea of understanding that we are dependent on him more than our jobs, more than the economy, or more than the government? 
more than what is going on in our culture, do we understand as God's people that he is indeed sufficient to abound grace so that believers can abound in every good work? Do you believe that? Oh, I guess you put it down. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you believe that? Do you believe that God is able so that having all sufficiency. That's why I said, how, how does one blessed? How are you blessed? By giving generously. That's how the blessing comes. That's how the grace is abound. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. Now look at this. His righteousness endures forever. And there's this picture that as we give, he brings about righteousness, a harvest of righteousness. Look at verses 10 and 11 of chapter, chapter nine, verses 10 and 11. It says, he who supplies, just underline those three words. Who supplies? God. He who supplies the seed to the sower, sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So here's the, here's the picture that's going on. We give to the work of God, and God's like, you know what? I'm going to multiply your seed, and I will multiply your giving. It's not to, it's not, he doesn't bless us so that we can go expend more on ourselves. He blesses us that we might bless others, that we might advance the kingdom. And what Paul was doing here is he's kind of making this observation again that he did in verse 6 of the one who spares so sparingly will reap a meager harvest. But now the picture is he's developing this imagery of sowing and reaping to reinforce the point of generosity. If God is the one who supplies the seed needed for the harvest of a grain for food, how much more will God supply all the resources, all that we need to produce a harvest of good deeds, a harvest of righteousness. In fact, that idea again, notice he says, increase your righteousness. God uses the giver to give more. Grace of Browns, righteousness increased. We increased in being used by God. There's a, there's a picture here of this idea, of this continuing on so that, so that we may continue in the good work of the Lord and his work would be blessed. His work would continue. In fact, he goes on, he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You will be enriched. How am I enriched? How's my life gonna be better? Give generously. Isn't that what it's saying? You know, I had to really stop and kind of choke that one down because I've always thought, you know, you'd be blessed. You, you understand more of the gospel and the power of the gospel. Absolutely, that's true. And you understand more of how the spirit of God is working in your life. Absolutely true. But the reality is when the rubber meets the road, it's how we deal with our finances that reveals our understanding of those truths. And what Paul is doing here as he goes on when he says you will be rich in every way, he's restating verse eight that God continues to enrich the benevolent person so that he can go on enriching others 
by generosity. The greater the giving, the greater their enrichment. The greater their enrichment, the greater the resources to give. In other words, it's almost like when we were looking at when God was dealing with his people on Micah, if you remember, and he's telling his people, test me, test me. And I, don't, I think that passage is referring to Israel, but I would say this. I would challenge you to find out about how God blesses his people, not just for a building, not just for, for things here, but to understand the reality of learning and living as we learn to follow Jesus, living in dependence in Christ. Look what he says, very last thing. Generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The picture here is that this gift that he's collecting in chapters eight and nine that he's talking about for Jerusalem, it will bless those Jerusalem believers. It will encourage them. And but the result won't be just praising the Corinthian believers who gave. The picture is they praise God. It brings thanksgiving to him. That's what happens when we give generously. It brings glory and it brings praise. It brings thanksgiving to the Lord, joy and gratitude. So when we give generously, God says, I will bless you. I will provide for you to multiply your seed for grace to abound, that righteousness will increase. It will bring praise and thanksgiving to God. And the motivation for giving, and please, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. The motivation for giving is not about religious ceremony, but a love and a trust in the Lord, which leads his people to praise and thanksgiving in the hearts, in their hearts for him. It's about our dependence on him. It's about what God is doing. It's about understanding and believing and trusting and understanding what he is doing. I pray. I don't pray just for more giving, that we might do more ministry. Right now, I pray that you might learn about what it is to depend on the Lord. We depend on him for righteousness, we depend on him for security. We depend on him for his love and his mercy, his promise of returning, the promise and the gift of, the, of what he's gonna do when he comes again. But I pray you learn what it means to depend on him with your finances. Let's pray. Father God, <clears throat> speak to us, your people. Let us grow in our faith. To be honest with you, Father, we're very natural in the ways of, our, of the way that we think and the way we feel. And any time that we begin talking about finances, we always have a, a tendency to just kind of shut down. We don't, we don't want people to talk about our finances. We don't want things like that, Father. But I pray, God, this morning that your spirit would move among your people not about just finances, but understanding the dependence that we're supposed to have on you. How many times, Father, do we look at our bank account and we find security or insecurity? 
when we're reminded that, Father, we're to be a people who rely and trust on you, that, Father, you would teach us to walk in faith, not to be not to just be impulsive or, or crazy, but to calculate, to resolve between ourselves and you and to walk in that way that we might understand the cheerfulness, the joy, the gratitude, the thanksgiving that comes with being a people who are faithful with our finances. Teach us, Father. Father, I also would just take the time and even now, Father, as we're about to dismiss and we're about to have our time outside and in our fall fast, that you would encourage us just to spend time with one another, to, to Father, just to be able to exhort, to take joy, to laugh, to have a good time as a family, understanding who we are in Christ and taking joy in that. Be with our time, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.